Recording in progress. Ladies and gentlemen of the podcast community and Podstars family and Podstars fans all around, my second guest for the second ever Podstars team podcast episode is Kevin the Beast Cloth. He is an <laughs> author, a chef, a director, a host, a talent, a podcaster. This guy, I mean, he's got more boxes to check than the moving companies, man. Like he does everything. So <laughs> I'm gonna talk to Kevin today. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let him talk to you guys and let it uh, fill you in on everything that he's done. And if I'm not mistaken, you are also a veteran. Am I correct in that assumption, sir? You are correct, Jason. And um, glad to be a part of your your world. And uh, do have to give a shout out and thanks to none other than Dr. Uh, Aaron Ozy, who is a good friend and uh, compatriot in arms, um, great dude. He got me in with you guys, in with Cameo, um, really was a great mentor in my books. And um, you did mention my podcast. My podcast is called The Cloth Thickens. I do not take credit for that title. That comes from none other than the famous Charles Bloom, uh, music composer and uh, child Hollywood actor, and comes from uh, two very famous parents, and he came up with this idea of the cloth thicken. So, yes, I am Kevin the Beast B. Ploth, um, and we'll get into why the Beast is part of my um, handle a little bit later. But yeah, man, thank you for having me on and being a, a part of the Podstars team and uh, getting people on board with you as well, like Santa and Sexy Chef Wendy Lane and many other talents. Wow, I mean, we're, we're, trying, to, we're trying to promote everyone, get everyone out there because the thing about Podstars, the reason we built it was because there's a lot of people like yourself who don't have the platform to talk about everything that you've done and your accomplishments and stuff like that. I mean, there, there's amazing people out there that have a story to tell and have amazing things to talk about. And it's just so hard. I mean, because you have your own podcast, you've been able to do such a thing because you've been able to, you know, uh, get your own guests on or, or what have you. But I will talk about yourself and kind of promote yourself. But there are some people that don't have that opportunity. And I wanted to give back. I wanted, like, I've known a lot of great people in my life who haven't had the chance to say, like, you know, take a college professor, for instance, who's done like 20 years of hard work and, and, and achievements, and he, he's shaped minds and he's helped the, he's helped so many people, never gets a chance to talk about it, never gets the recognition he deserves. That's why we wanted to give back. That's part of what Podstars wants to do. So, you know, um, thank you for being a part of us. And uh, we're hoping no, that you guys do a great job. We're willing to get out of, you know. Yeah, no, I have to agree with that. You guys definitely put a, a spotlight on those who don't have the opportunities or that uh, network. And, and that's also the premise of my podcast. And not only do I feature noted celebrities, but not really like your A-listers. I think these people are A-listers in my opinion. A good example, we have some mutual connections from the American gladiators like Danny, uh, Jimmy, and Lori. Um, I think they have a lot to offer and tell people and, and their stories and their accomplishments, but they also do the same thing too. And, and another good example is um, the comedian uh, who I've always followed and known since his early days is uh, Tosh.0, um, Daniel Tosh. And even on his podcast, he features like real average Joes from his wife's gynecologist to um, Leaper, the, the now famous... Um, uh, disabled uh, athlete who does like all the uh, running events. He's going to be coming up in the 2028 Olympics. So again, 
the beauty about podcasts, it gives a lot of people opportunity. And uh, you guys have been really supportive of me and a lot of mutual friends that we have. So thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, uh, I have an interview booked with uh, Sharonda Schultz uh, after this one. So. Oh, no way. <laughs> yeah. So and OZ was the first one. You're the second one. She's the third Yay. one. And, uh, I don't know who from before yet, but it seems to be all of Dr. OZ's clients are falling into my lap. Right. So yeah, Sharla Lee, man. Yeah, she, she's a hoot, too. Like, her books brilliant and and talk about another uh, individual who could connected me to people like Lou Vickery and uh, their group and I'm actually the again the baby I'm at 51 years old and um, I'm in this world of people who they call the the wise ones from Lou and Charlotte Lee they're all in their their golden and autumn years but their minds are sharp as ever and I've learned a lot from them and their group um, and being a part of their um, Zoom calls when I can check in um, because they have a lot to offer as well. And, and, and I think it's great. And Sharla, um, you're going to find, uh, is an interesting guest because she was a guest on my um, uh, beginning shows that I did on AMP and also on um, Spotify's other uh, radio station that was to compete against AMP. And AMP is no longer uh, in operation. And so that's how the plot thickens came about. And uh, now we're in our second season. So keep on trucking, as I say. <laughs> so in your show, do you have sort of a, um, what do you like, a like a gimmick or, or like, are you like strictly like, are you interview based or are you like? It, it, I wouldn't say gimmick, but the, the, the angle, the, the only gimmick is, is that something that carried over from AMP is where I uh, ask people the beast question of the week. Uh, which is carefully curated and tailored, um, and it goes into more of the metaphysical to the, um, what I would call the psychological side, where one of the questions I asked one guest, and they were kind of taken aback, but they picked up on it right away, and I said, what is their heavy coat? And other people would be like, eh, what do you mean heavy coat, something I wear? And no, and because they're smart, and they're at a different level, they got it and it meant like what is your burden what is the thing that holds you back and within a second they responded with comparing themselves to others is their weakness so it's something that I've re reinvigorated uh, from season one uh, we've already had two shows already but my shows are everything from interview to informative, like uh, episode two we did about the Battle of Little Bighorn, a.k.a. the Greasy Grass, about uh, the indigenous warriors and Lieutenant Colonel Custer. Um, and this is going to follow up from what I did in season one about the Zulu War, the Battle of Islandwana, and Warwick's Drift, because I'm very passionate about history. I'm shy of getting my doctorate. Um, but, you know, because of other circumstances and things, my interests led everywhere else. But I've always maintained my love for history and military history and politics. So we kind of interweave that into the podcast. So one episode will be an interview about the person talking about their future and what's going on in their career now. Because um, I feel like talking about people's past, everybody's kind of heard it. We want to hear like more... What, what's current new stuff. and current and interesting and what, what's your future looking like? Um, so th that's pretty much the, the round base. And then some of the other episodes focus on food uh, as well as art and culture. And I kind of let the, the guests kind of steer it because we kind of get a little tangential and get off track and then we kind of get back on. 
and most episodes last about maybe 30 to about 45, 58 minutes. I try to keep that it. That seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah, it's it, keep it simple, keep it right, because one thing all my guests have agreed upon, and I have to concur with that, being in, you know, you listen to a lot of stuff that I've done, but three career fields that I've always been in that, that hold true is my food industry, the entertainment, and security. And they have a lot of common threads, but one of the most important ones is people, the audience, customer service. And we've all agreed upon and hit upon the fact that we really have to fight as artists, as business owners, as podcasters, and, and all these other things to get the audience's attention. And it's right. so much harder now than it was then because if we were going back then, you know, the before times, um, you and I would probably be still sending tapes trying to get on radio to be a host, to get our voices heard. Um, we both have distinct voices that lend itself well to radio as well as to uh, voiceover, but that market was always controlled and handled by a small bunch and to get in, um, it was really hard. And now fast forward, technology has changed all that, has given us a platform and we don't have to wait on line anymore. We can do our own thing and do it the way we want to do it. And if it, it's successful, you can generate your own money and call your own shots. And that's what's great about your platform. You give people an opportunity to get their name out there, set their rate, and that's it. And, and for me, even if I was an A-lister, I don't think I would really change my rate. And the same thing with Cameo. And I have a big issue with a lot of um, noted and well-known people. Yeah, I get it. You don't want to be on a show where you're going to be pigeonholed or attacked. But you should be smart enough to know how to read that and do your due diligence and research people. Um, and I think that's what's given me success because people look at my LinkedIn and look at my IMDB. They're like, what? Like, I've been doing this a long time. Like, even even before going to University Arts, um, and even then, back in the 90s, getting my start on movies like Philadelphia and getting called back to be on the film. Um, and then doing Casanova's Demise and, and working on all these other big, big projects. Everything from, you know, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman's film, Doubt, Salt, um, I have to say, I'm proud of the body of work I've done as an artist, but also what I've done behind the scenes, because I think it's a learning curve. Um, and again, you know, it, there's just so much to this industry that security and food and entertainment kind of intertwine and go hand in hand. So I can kind of pull from all the things that I've learned since I was a kid being on the books. Um, and I believe in sharing that knowledge too and sharing that wealth of information because, um, you know, as you know, you, you come across a lot of egos, um, a lot of, um, I think bad, not bad, but, you know, not well raised, you know, uh, individuals. I mean, it happens. It happens in any industry, in any business, but, um, Yet, these individuals are still touted, promoted, and, and pumped up. Good example is is on Cameo, and I had a big beef about this. They, they put George Santos on there, and he stole the thunder from a lot of people that depend on Cameo for an income, you know? Mm. And I'm sorry, even, even you know, <laughs> Cameo's favorite Santa Claus was like, what the hell? Like, 
you know. But again, it shows you where people are at and what they want and what their goal is. You know, for me, that's not my goal. My goal is to get a message out, reinvigorate people's careers, give people uh, opportunities where they don't have, um, even give myself opportunities where I didn't have before. And opportunity is, uh, what I love. like even this, this is an opportunity I'm learning from you. You know, we're, we're mutually, when we're done, I'm going to promote this on my platforms. Hey, I spoke to Jay and you're going to promote it. So it, it's, it's working as a team, but still uh, the industry as a whole, a lot of people don't do that. So it's, that's where we're at right now. So no, it's, it's it, every connection you make, there's an opportunity for the connection to go even further. And whether it be with a job opportunity or a, a, a social situation, I mean, it's, it's like doors are opening all over the place, but it's unfortunate that I find that in this day and age, the door only stays open for so long and it slams shut quickly. Yeah, it's yeah. Closed, you've got to try and kick that door back open and it's not easy. No, Especially it's not. Computers taking over the world now and Terminator's on the way, I think. I mean, AI's uh, <laughs> doing everything now. So like, it, it's a very weird world and I'm so glad that I'm not growing up as a teenager right now because it just seems like it's so much more difficult than when I was a kid. Oh, like, no. Oh. Years behind you, so. Yeah, now you hit the nail on the head. It's kind of like what Ricky Gervais said in his uh, Emmy Award winning uh, special Armageddon. He goes, oh, I, I, I've, I've got the best. He says, you know, I've, I've he, and I have to agree with him. We, we've gotten the best of from the, the 70s, the 80s, 90s. And anybody that's under, I would say, 35 they, they 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 missed a lot of that great great stuff that we had opportunities to be a part of see and stuff because you're never going to see that again um, no. especially when people first like hear stories about me and you know the, the 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 party scene in New York City not everybody got to see that you know I did I worked it I was there I mean I could tell you stories about Plato's retreat or or before Studio 54 shut its door or you know, Gaslight and Brownies After Hours and, and Club USA and Mar and, and and all these other places. And um, even working at some of the after hours scene, it, it, it was a different world. Even growing up as a kid in New York City um, and seeing it, you know, and then people talk about the way it is. Oh, and, and, and you know what? They missed out on a lot. And one thing I said to somebody, I said, you know what? I, I have to say back then, though. The, the, the crackheads, the druggies, the, the hookers, and all those people were far more polite than they are today. Oh, polite and hook crack dealer. It's all about manners when it comes to selling the rock. <laughs> but, I mean, that's a joke. But there, there is some truth to that. And, the, and, and I also say there's also some hubris, too. Um, and being too nostalgic. Um, but I have to say... At this point, you know, and even with platforms like Cameo and, and some of the others, like, they'll have a, a, a shelf life at some point. Um, even, I think, podcasts are going to change uh, in the next five to ten years. Um, like you said, with AI and uh, AI being used a lot now for trailers and, and, you know, sizzle reels and all this stuff. Where normally you had to go find a person to do the voice, you had to find someone to do the the copy and the edit and all that. And now half the stuff you could do right there with a couple of good programs, everything from final draft to final cut to 
avid and you know yep. uh, the list goes on um, but a good example is like the windows like I'm fortunate like even this hat this is a good friend of mine and um, we follow each other on Instagram and if it wasn't for that platform I don't think we would have ever met and her workout and fitness program Pure Blood she's going to be a guest on one of my shows down the road with some of other well-known fitness people that I've gotten a chance to work with and work out with um, so I think it, it does help but even then, those platforms are going to change. And a lot of people don't think about doing stuff like this. Saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to promote you anyway. You know, because you help me, I'm going to help you. Um, but at the same token, like you said, too, a lot of times, like with these younger crowd coming up, the, the hands out, you know, I want it. I want it, like, but you got to earn it. You got to work your Even in the military, too, I'm like, What? Yep. You know, like people didn't believe when they used to talk about the stress cards. Oh yeah, that, that, that shit was true. But I never saw anybody use it or pull that kind of stuff because they get their ass kicked. But I was in one of the last all-male basic training uh, units that went through before they started integrating and doing um, co-ed basic training. We were one of the like fourth or fifth wave starting to use PT uniforms and sneakers. You know, um, but we only did it for PT when we were doing other maneuvers and all that stuff. We had to wear our combat boots and, and our jump boots and all that. But now, like, even they started changing a lot of that, too. And I'm like, what? Because most stuff, they're sitting behind a desk with a joystick. Boom, boom, boom. You know, I have photos of me uh, shooting what now is a drone. That was like our target back then for doing stinger missiles and stuff. We called it a bat, a ballistic air trainer. Um, it was a big orange, we called it, sorry to curse, but we called it the big orange dick. That's what it was. It was this huge orange tube. They launched it and you had to track and fire at it and knock it out. Um, but then you fast forward, you know, from that time, it's like, oh my God, that was a drone, basically. You know, it was in, it's in infancy. Um, and even that's changed. The, the, and and it, like like you even said, it's getting smaller and smaller, but we're getting more disconnected and um, less talking and more, you know, typing, texting, quick conversations. And again, it goes back to the audience, making them interested. And that's why I try to keep my stuff within that time frame I have some guests that they get upset like oh wait we're running out of time I'm like uh, yeah I have a timer it tells me right there like how much right. we have because <laughs> the, the most podcasts are not going to last that long you know they don't one thing I like about what you're saying about your show and it's it's advice that I've had to give like, now that we've done this Podstars thing we're getting a lot of podcasters who are contacting us and that's another reason we built Podstars is because people are saying like you know I, I've got like 47 episodes in the can uh, my downloads have just crashed and I'll be like well what's your show about and you know we'll say like they're about uh, air fryers for instance I've, I've got 47 shows on, on, on air fryers well after four episodes I think you pretty much covered everything there is to talk about like yeah. how many so you know we'll, they should have called gonna, me <laughs> we reached out to chefs and now we have chefs on Podstar so if you're an air fryer podcast and you want to talk to a chef maybe you know help get boost your, your numbers help change yeah. it up a little bit i find that you, know, you don't have to be an air fryer podcast for the rest of your life you can kind of branch out and that's what you're doing you're, you're talking to different people different entertainments uh you know like 
you're not pigeonholed into that one specific no no but i make sure the people i have like for a good example like he's come back now twice because one he's has a lot of fun and we actually do it here uh just because he's close by is um michael sean mcginnis who you may know is famous because of the the terry tate super bowl commercial he is, plays terry tate's boss and Terry Tate, the the office worker, oh, that's the dude that runs through all the, the brick walls. Yeah, and it takes that, and, and then the oh, boss yeah. says, "Well, we had to hire Terry Tate." And he and I worked with each other thirty years, like almost thirty years ago, doing Shakespeare's Othello. I was Rodrigo, and he was Iago. And um, we also worked on a couple of episodes together, just by chance. Uh, it was about twenty years ago on the, the old school Law and Order. So I mean, my again. I try to pull interesting people that are going to be fun. And same thing with the food cast. I had sexy chef Wendy Lane, real chef, Chef Luigi, with his restaurant that just opened up here in New Jersey. Um, John Perlman. Like, I bring on people that, and they had fun. And even, even like, talking about food and, and, and you know, the next podcast that's coming up, I have uh, two military history experts coming on, and we're going to be talking about Napoleon, the movie. And uh, a couple of key uh, military engagements, especially about Arcelitz and, and um, uh, some of his other campaigns that are lesser known. Um, and the listener's going to find that interesting, but we squeeze it all in in an hour. And same thing with the one we just dumped um, that's out now on the Little Bighorn. It's such a big topic, and so much has been written about it. I only covered, like, I just skimmed the service, and, and I try to tie it all into my blogs, so the reader then can go, oh, wait, he has a blog here that he wrote about this. Oh, this ties into his food. This is tying into coffee. Like, we have a coffee one that's coming up, the fitness one that's coming up. Uh, we're trying to get uh, Brett Hobel, uh, Mike Korpenko, who I all worked with at Beach Bodies when I was one of the... Uh, uh, guinea pigs of getting heavy and then dropping all that weight and losing 75 pounds and being on their Rev Abs commercial, working with Sean T, uh, you know, Sean T's uh, fitness stuff, even with Autumn. Uh, we're going to try to get my girl from Pure Bloods and a few other people. Um, and then flipping around, we're going to be talking about coffee. We just had uh, Joseph Donafrio on, a good friend of mine. Uh, you may know him from Bronx Tale and also um, Goodfellas. And we talked about the the current show that's out, Graves End, uh, which hang is on, not in. Hang on, hang on. You said Goodfellas. You rang my bell right there. That's my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> what what, what well, character are we talking about here? Uh, Joseph, uh, you may remember, he played the young uh, Joe Pesci character. And then from that, he did Bronx Tale. And then from that, his career has blossomed. And we've been good friends uh, for about almost as long, almost 25 years. And uh, we have a good mutual friend too, Dr. Marty, who's up in Massachusetts. He's one of the top uh, dental surgeon and implant surgeons. I mean, these are all real. I don't need that yet. And nor does Joseph. But um, we did a couple of uh, big uh, charity events for him up in Boston for the Sons of Italy. So, and I said, hey, Joseph, do you want to be on? And he goes, yeah, and that's it. And all my guests, I'm trying to get the guys from uh, American Gladiators to come on next. Even you know, We'll see. You know, I just take it one step at a time. Last season, we, we ripped out uh, close to 14 episodes. And from everybody from Steve Conti of the New York Dolls and, you know, 
Michael Sean McGinnis and uh, my other good friend Sean Parsons from the TV show Justified with his new music and we even talked to a couple of bands and, and it worked. So keep it simple. <laughs> Aim small, miss small. Simple, short and entertaining. I mean, those are the three basic. I hope so. I mean, I, I really try, and this is again, one of the hardest things that's frustrating with it. I keep reminding the audience, you know, please leave a comment, please leave a rating. Because then it helps me and helps the, my guests too to know like, oh, hey, they like what we said. They didn't like what we said. Uh, oh, you may have been misinformed. Educate me. I'm, I'm not. I'm not some seven golly saying you know I, you know I know all about history and food and the entertainment. No, teach me. Teach the teacher. You know, and I, I think a lot of people gravitate to all these bigger names and celebrities. And I'm like, some of the shows are okay. I mean, there's there, there's a lot of shows that like good example one I listen to. And they'll probably love it because I, I just plugged them. Is um, uh, Alien Murder Sex, my two friends, and they had me on as a guest, and it was a fun time. It was fun. I may not be for everybody, you know. We're talking about murder, we're talking about aliens, and we're talking about sex. Um, even on my podcast, we 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 broached that subject, and I, I said I leave no topic untouched or anything undone. And and I, one thing I love about Spotify. Because I can really see which episodes are hot and which are not. And believe it or not, the history episodes have gotten a lot of listens. And then the food ones. <laughs> Versus some other people's stuff. But I think it's because we made it entertaining. And we're talking about stuff that that I'm passionate about. If you're not passionate about it, why are you talking about it? And you'll hear it. Oh, hear it. you definitely hear you it. fake passion, so... Yeah. I mean, listen, on this last one, we were actually drinking, you know, from my, you can see my scotch and whiskey collection up there. All right. Um, so we said, fuck it. We're going to drink some scotch on air. Why not? Who's going to fire me? What are they going to do? Take my name away from me? Can't do that. Can't take my birthday away from me. Two words of advice. There you go, folks. <laughs> they can't take your name away from you and they can't take your birthday away from you. That's it. But, um, I have to move my birthday to summer if possible, but okay. <laughs> yeah, my, my youngest wants to do that. He keeps complaining, you know. He, he his birthday is in January, right after Christmas, and no one wants to do anything, you know. In January, it's like I was broke. <laughs> but then I said, "What about the summer? Then everybody's away and on vacation." I said, "You kind of get screwed." He says, "Yeah, but your birthday's in March, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, here we go." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, there." Um, but, you know, it, what I love about this is is the fact that it, it, there's people and, and you're really telling stories about stuff that I think people may miss the mark, may miss certain things about food. And what I like about the last podcast that I did with uh, Sexy Chef John Perlman and even with Chef Luigi, we had real people that are in the industry, you know, not some celebrity chef that hasn't been on the line in 20 years, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so, which was really cool. And a lot of people really clicked with that. And especially having a woman chef where in an industry for the longest time, it was male dominant. You know, there right. were women there like Julia Childs is one. Um, but, you know, it's not... In the past 20 years is when you saw a really big insurgence of, of some amazing women chefs. And and it, 
their stories need to be told. There's some great right. stories out there, and I'm going to try to find them and bring them bring them on and say, hey, let's talk about food disparity. Let's talk about um, the problem with the food industry. Let's talk about distribution and all these things that no one's really talking about. I mean, you may get some great documentaries on Netflix, but you know how many people pay attention to that? Small percentage. You know? I got I would think that, and I hate to give credit to this, but I think reality shows had a had a big uh, helping hand in bringing some female chefs to the forefront. Because yes, like if you watch the Ramsey shows and stuff like this, you'll see a ton of female chefs who win competitions and then go on to open up their own restaurants and stuff like that. So as much as I hate most of reality TV because it's mostly hot garbage. There are some benefits to them, and that's probably one of them, I would imagine. Oh, oh, yeah. I mean, food. if it wasn't for Food Network, half these people like Kat Cora to um, my, my friend that always comes over keeps laughing because I have a Giada's uh, autograph and giving me hugs and kisses um, in my kitchen hanging up. Um, and it's from her, really. It's got the, the COA with it and everything. I made sure... Um, but, you know, it, if it, you didn't have those shows and you didn't have, you know, the, the pioneer, Julia Childs, you know, and then Jacques Pepin, you know, I, I don't think a lot of these people, their voices would have been heard. You know, like Ming Tsai is another great one and Rick Bayless, um, a lot of cultural foods and and P, I think PBS really helped. But like you said, the, the other reality side, the bad side. You know, and, and I see a big, big wave of these people coming over into the pod world, um, and, and it steals a lot of thunder from really good, 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 you know, podcasts. And then you have all the big networks now. They have podcasts. Their their news anchors have podcasts. So people are fighting again for that audience attention, and it it, it goes back to what are you going to do to keep it interesting and keep it current and vital and vibrant right and have it's interesting people yeah it, it seems like these these everyone who gets a show now it's almost like a, a given like you have to do a podcast you have to do this so you have to check so many boxes and then when you actually listen to the podcast you can tell their hearts aren't in it they don't want to do it they're pretty much contractually <laughs> forced to do it yes to bring more how much am i getting you know no exactly. offense i mean i'm throwing fran drescher on the bus and fran you can come try to find me good luck um you're not going to take my name away from me or my birthday. So, but you know, my big issue is like, she does not have a, a business side whatsoever and did a lot of things that a lot of people in the union didn't agree with, but kept their mouths shut. And then on top of it, she's on cameo charging $900 for a cameo. Oh, oh yeah. You know, it's the same thing. Like a lot of us were up in arms about the whole George Santos being on, on cameo and charging 400. Like what? And then, being the top guy on there, like, come on, man. Really? You're going to do your crowd and your following just because you need money and all this stuff and then take it away from people that really, like, Cameo Santa and, and you know, some of these other people that just specifically do stuff during the holidays. They right. put a big dent in their business. For some... Yeah, not. Yeah, I can see it. And same same thing with these reality stars that, are, that have flooded the thing. Um, but whatever, you know, it's not my company. It's, it's, they can do whatever they want with that. Um, I think it's great. I think it looks great on people's resume because not everybody's on there, but it's slowly, it's like the same with you. Not everybody's on pod stars. Not everybody can go find 
blah, blah, blah. And they can come find me. They can find Aaron, Sharla. Um, uh, hopefully, I know uh, Cameo Santa will definitely be on. But you've got a whole host of some great talent on there that I think people should discover. Everything from wrestlers to athletes to veterans. Well, actually, uh, just this morning, I don't know if you saw who he signed, but... No, no. <laughs> Nick Bostick. Oh, you did? No, yeah. So, you know him? I'm familiar with him. Yeah, I mean, his story, I heard him on another podcast. Uh, you know, rushing into a burning house, saving five people. Uh, you know, and, and like, I was just blown away by this guy. I'm like, this guy, like, how, how does nobody know about him? Like, his story blew up in 2022. Yep. But I heard him the other day, and I was like, this guy needs to be. Like, I, I contacted immediately. I'm like, bro, like... I was like, you have a pair of nuts on you. That is yeah, no. You're 100% right. He has a great story. But like, you know, when you're in the, what I say, when you're in service of mankind, I don't think any of us think about the accolades or looking to get the medals. Um, because interesting enough, when I did the uh, Zulu podcast last year with Michael Sean McGinnis, he asked me a good question. He goes, well, why didn't Sergeant Major Bourne get the Victoria Cross? And I'm like, that's a good question. And we saved it for this season to bring it up before we launched into uh, the greasy grass and Little Bighorn. And to find out is he refused. He didn't feel he deserved to get a medal for a job that he was being already paid to do. And that's pretty ballsy for the Victorian era wow. to, to turn to the aristocracy and the queen and say... Mm. I don't need your medal. I don't want it. I did my job. This was my job. And, and I'm sure even with him, like, and, and I've done a lot of stuff too where people are amazed, but then when they read the, the letters and the stories, they're like, what? You really did? I'm like, yeah, I did. I stepped in and stopped the robbery. I saved a couple of people, but you know what? That was part of my job. I, and I happened to be there. If I wasn't there, who would know what, what someone else would have done? Yeah, you know, and yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm trying to get my cousin. Uh, my cousin is uh, 6'10". I'm 6'6". And he is a battalion chief for uh, a very big fire department down south. And I'm trying to get him as a guest and talk about his stories and experiences as a fireman. But also as a 30-year military guy. He spent 30 years of his life in the Army, you know. And there are stories there. He did three tours in Iraq. He also did, did a tour when, in the first Persian Gulf War. So you're talking about a, a span of time and two different conflicts and two different mode of tactics and equipment and, and thinking. Um, and I am sure there are a lot of fucking stories there. Sorry to curse, but... <laughs> no, you're not going to get all the stories in in 45 minutes. No. You can't. Like a series with him. Like every other oh, yeah. Like I'm, I'm planning on that because I, uh, yeah. I have to... He's probably going to hear it now, but... Um, but that was one of my plans for this this second season is to surprise people. Say, hey, do you want to be a guest? And you, you, you'd be surprised you ask someone that is not in our world. You want to see the smile. And all of a sudden they were shocked. Like my friend John Perlman. He had so much fun. And the fact that now it's it saved. It's permanently saved for posterity for however long the digital world will last or this world will last. Someone can go hear his voice and my dumbass voice talking about food with two other guests. You know? Um, and they, they want to come back. You know? And I think why I, 
I think Pod Stars is really good. Is I think people need to know about it more and utilize it. Yeah, you got to pay for the talent, but there's a lot of talent there that aren't charging that much. And it's not because they're cheap. It's because they care more about the person trying to do their show. Don't yeah, go right. after the big, well-known celebrity. Go after the people that are actually going to help you and, and build your show up. You know, yeah. like Charlotte Lee's a good example. Lou Vickery, you got to get her to introduce you to him. I mean, he, he's just a blast. I mean, the guy played for the Yankees, you know, the Cardinals. Um, he's got a, a history of Major League Baseball. And then 20-some-odd books he's written. And he's also a well-known speaker. And the guy is right. in his 80s and got a, got a huge... Uh, change fourth fifth act in his life like you, you can't get better than that and he was a great guest to have on my show yeah and that's that's what pod stars is trying to do too is we're trying to give people a like for instance like one of the first guys i talked to on linkedin which is a great site fantastic so i love linkedin yeah um dip scott uh, major league baseball umpire uh did it for you know 25 years uh, minor leagues big leagues uh, but what, what's great about him is not only does he have those stories to tell uh, but he was also the first umpire to come out as a homosexual, and he has stories about, you know, it, it was a different time, yeah. right? And, and so he, he he gets to you get in depth with him about how he had to kind of hide who he was, and then when you know the the, the glory that he had, yeah. releasing that information that you know what he was just comfortable with himself and it was time, and, and I had him on my show. It was a great conversation. He wrote a book about it. I mean, a fantastic guy, but. Nobody would have known about that stuff unless you read his book or you listen to the show. Yeah. So we, give, we, give, we give everyone a chance to interview this guy because he deserves it. You know, he's a fantastic guy, right? So that's what we're trying to do. That. And we're hopefully to it'll lead to other stuff for him too because I think that's a, a great story because even, even in those um, areas from sports to even in the food industry, the entertainment there's a lot of stories of people that had to keep things quiet because they were afraid if people knew if they were uh, gay or if they, uh, you know, had uh, drug and alcohol problems or they had suicide or mental health problems. Suffered um, from depression, stuff like that, yeah. I absolutely. mean, and a lot of the, the one thing I will say in this day and age, those stigmas are slowly washing away. Um, but I also raise concern and alarms is because then it, it rises to other people the fakers, right. if you know what I mean, yeah. saying, oh, I had this and that, and if you can't verify and approve it, you know, you don't want to insult somebody and then make make a mistake that, you, you know, you, you added them and then all of a sudden find out you're wrong or find out that you're right, then you end up ruining someone's career in life uh, and then making them depressed or whatever. Um, so that's that issue that I've had, even even with veteran stuff, you know, like the, the stolen valor, um, I noticed there's a lot of people that go out there, they're like claim to be military experts and all these things. And then you find out like, well, they were behind a desk somewhere and not even in, in the shit. Um, and then you have people that were in the shit and don't want to talk about it. And I get that. Um, so you have to really, really as a, I mean, I consider podcasting almost like a form of journalism, except for the, uh, the other side where you can do radio shows. Um, audio books, that kind of stuff. But it's like journalism. You have to make sure your, your stuff is on point, but then also own it up if you have the wrong facts. You know, and you bring up a point too because people's uh, personal lives, let them talk about it. 
you know, don't censor that. Um, and I think it's great that you, you had him on and, and was able to give more people an exposure to him because he has a great story. I mean, and I'm yeah. sure he still has so much to offer. Like you said, he can't, you know, I'll fill it in. I mean, I would definitely have him back as a, a guest, you know, because there's yeah. probably stuff that you can delve right in and do a whole show on that. So kudos to you. <laughs> Oh, yeah. No, kudos to him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, well. <laughs> I did the easy work. He, he did the well, he went through the hard, hard, hard shed. So, yeah, a thousand percent. So, um, before I let you go, um, just to, you said you're in the military. Just quickly, just give me a, a roundabout of where you started and how you ended. Well, I had the itch when I was in high school. Um, I got accepted to VMI. Um, I also thought about going to the Citadel. My uncle, my cousin I talked about, um, his father uh, taught there. Um, and that was an option. And then West Point. And then I ended up going to West Virginia Wesleyan. And then going from there, transferring to University Arts. And then I was at University Arts up until 93. And I get out, start doing my acting stuff and everything. And... Then come around 95, 96, I still had the itch. Uh, was in a relationship that time. Um, just was expecting my first child at that time, at 24. And uh, I went and enlisted. And I didn't wow. even think I would get accepted because of my age. Because even back then, 24 was considered like old. Uh, um, and I did well. I mean, my whole plan was... To do eight years, I signed up for eight years, and uh, ended up going to uh, Fort Sill and Fort Bliss. Um, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, is where I did my basic training. And uh, back then, we were right in the, the beginnings of the "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" phase. The the the, the, the integration of women into the military and, and integration of uh, co-ed basic training, but not all bases were at 100%. Fort Sill was still all male. And Fort Sill is known for uh, being an artillery school um, and also cavalry. And then um, anybody that did air defense, which was my MOS, my ADA, I was a 14 Sierra, which was a Humvee with a turret on the back, Stinger missiles. So you shot... Uh, a wad of uh, stingers and you were called a duck or a crunchy because then once you shoot all that you're pretty much an infantryman but the the interesting thing about it is why I chose that is because I scored high on my ASVAB and I already had college so I had choices but it was the only MOS that offered uh, rapid advancement because it was a high risk uh, MOS because you're doing stingers you had to learn um, how to do uh, be all air assault, jumping out of helicopters, do jump school. Uh, because once the vehicle is down, you can still shoulder fire what they call man pad, the stinger missile. And this is the same apparatus that we gave to the Afghanis during the um, uh, that whole nonsense with the Afghan war with uh, Russia. And we've kept that in our arsenal. We still do. We actually sold a lot of the uh, Avenger systems to the Saudis. Um, it's now kind of an obsolete vehicle system, uh, weapons platform, because there's other things. And, and But still, the Stinger, is a, uh, even on a, a jet fighter, it's a pretty lethal uh, weapon, you know, in, in, in the right hands, too, because once it locks in, it's like... 
um, and it, it definitely does it, its purpose. But when you fire it, it's got a backblast area that you, you'd have to be Mr. Magoo not to be able to see it. So that's that's one of the downsides. Um, even when the vehicle would go at a certain rate of speed because it, it had the turret on the back. I'll send you pictures and you'll see. It, it, it starts to list, and if you go too, too fast, it, it was also known to flip over a lot. Um, and then uh, you also had to dismantle the 50 caliber that was on there and learn how to fire that uh, manually as also with a, a remote. Um, also learn how to fire the turret via remote uh, from a fixed position. So there was a lot. Um, and then anyway, I ended up getting injured and it shortened my term of service. And I guess God was whatever my higher power kind of interceded and changed that but I don't regret it I mean there's still to this day I still miss aspects of the military um, a lot of aspects I miss of the army um, and who would have known I mean if I didn't get injured like what my career would have been you know and um, I did really well I mean I was a squad leader for eight weeks during basic training which a lot of people don't get that opportunity um it was the top of my class um, until graduation, so you know it was it was definitely something that you, I did it. I did oh, yeah. better than I expected. Um, I mean, when I went in, I mean, I got a lot of flack. People didn't think I was going to last. Oh, you're an actor, you're a model, blah blah blah. Even when I went in, they kept calling me uh, Kevin Costner or Hollywood. But then you know, uh, you, you got to put up or shut up at six six and. Uh, Scored really high on my my marksmanship. Scored scored high on everything, and even on my PT. Um, so I was able to do it. I mean, who knows if, if I went to VMI or West Point or even the Citadel, what my career path would have been or how that would have changed. Um, but it was it was again it's a, a aspect of my life that I was proud of. Um, got cut sure, short. Absolutely. I mean, I did advance. I did do well. Who knew? Who would have known what would have happened uh, with those eight years? You know, um, would I still have been in? Or yeah, I probably would have stayed in for life. I mean, most of my family members, everybody that served, um, except for my older brother and then myself. My dad was there in uh, the Coast Guard for four years. All of my uncles served. Um, my cousin did a long time. My great uncles were lifers and combat veterans. So. Um, do I regret not seeing combat? I don't know. Um, but I got to see a sh sh chunk of stuff in operations, you know, being stationed in Texas and along the Mexican border, seeing things that most people, even today, like, you you're, you're never going to see any of that stuff again. It was different. The border was even different back then. Like, I remember, like, we had to go out and help them with, they would put up these observation balloons and then they get shot down again. You had to go back out and help them back up I'm like that's not my MOS well that's your job you gotta go out and help <laughs> yeah. next man up mentality I suppose yeah I, I, I think so but the, the interesting thing is like we used to be able to walk to and from going to Juarez on a bridge no problems um, and it, again it was different you know and I feel bad for the people that are stationed there now you know to, to even get across there or go see Juarez you know even back then it was ugh. You know, but there were never issues, you know, 
not that I saw. I mean, people would always have like these uh, urban legends and stuff and they would warn guys, don't go over there too long if you're going on leave. You know, don't stay overnight, blah, blah, blah. You may end up missing a kidney. And we're like, ah. <laughs> like, and, you know, they had a point. I mean, the most healthiest people that are walking around are your your military personnel. You know, you yeah, do. You get your dental, your vision, all your shots and all that stuff. If you get, get you know, STDs, that's on you. But... <laughs> Like, the, like our guy used to walk around, put a goddamn tent on that peg. And we're like, oh, my God. Stop messing with them hoochie mamas. And I'm like, oh, my God. But anyway, I want to... It's not bad advice. It's not bad advice. No, well... <laughs> I, I don't want your listeners to, like, throw up on their, their meal, you know. Yeah, well, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was a great experience. And, you know, I, I do agree with one thing. I'm on that, that bandwagon where I believe... Everybody from the age of 17 to 21 should do at least a year to two years of service. I mean, there are so many European countries that do it. All my Greek friends. Uh, yeah, there's still a few. Yep. So, and listen, it, it, it gives you a different perspective. It gives you a, a real respect for firepower and, and the martial skills that are needed. It's not for everyone. Um, I will tell you this, when I first went in, I was very surprised. Like, my basic training was delayed because even back then, they were having a hard time getting people to enlist and getting them in. Um, but I even witnessed, you know, guys that thought they were the, the toughest dude on the block losing their shit on the first day. And, and me standing there having to do fire guard watch and strip the guy down to his underwear and, and can't have anything else until the MPs came to pick him up and ship him back home. You know, and, and that goes on your permanent record. You know, people don't realize that, you know, uh, and I even think combat is only really geared for certain individuals. Not everybody should be there. Oh, I have to agree with that a thousand percent. And I, I think you, the, the problem is too, with the people that are going in today, um, you know, it's not a game. You can't replay and reset and give your character extra life. Listen, my, my oldest, second oldest you know, and my firstborn son is in the Marine Corps. Um, and I'm very proud of him. But there's a lot of, like, he made it all the way through basic and everything. But there's a lot of eye-opening stuff that he's going to be exposed to. you got to be really, really uh, mentally unique to be able to handle a lot of stuff. And it's not meant for everybody. Even though people have survived and gone through combat and stuff, a lot of them that come out on the other end it didn't turn out so good, you know. And, and I feel bad for them. And it's a... Mental health is a big issue, and that's something also I'm trying to really steer this season to talk about and, and focus on, not to get maudlin and bring our happy-go-lucky podcast down, but I think it's also another important topic, and I think it, it should be really talked about, and I think more veterans should you know, get on the bandwagon with uh, pod stars and podcasts and talk about stuff, because if people hear that, and not just see it through the media and the news and controlled environments, really hear veterans speak, you, you get a different perspective. And I think they'd get a lot more help that way too, not just from the Wounded Warrior Project and all these other things that I feel that kind of went off the rails um, just to promote other people's careers. And yeah, they do help, um, but 
you know, the, the, the soup for the soul is, is the mind, you know, and, and if you can't keep an active mind and, and help heal that, you know, like we, we lose veterans every day. So, but anyway, that's right. conversation for another time. Yeah, uh, we we can we can go again tangential. Let's you know? open a dark door all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So I I, I I I have to quote a guy Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, not only did I have the privilege to see him live at the 92nd Street Y, but uh, I listened to his podcast uh, Pump Club every day. Um, but also read his book, his audio book, and I have to admit. And I agree with them. Thank you. And I thank you, Jay, for being here. And I thank all the people that helped me get to this point. And I thank the people that allowed me to survive and thrive to get here. Because it, it, I'm, there's no such thing as self-made. And there's I would be hard-pressed to find anyone that has done it alone. And, and it's impossible. You can't oh, I agree. A thousand percent. Yeah. And not only from your parents, how you're raised. It starts at home, as my mom always raised my brothers and I. Um, but it, 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 you, if you don't have that foundation, if you don't have any of those things, you still can't do it alone. Steve didn't, Jobs didn't do it alone. Uh, you know, all these other great people didn't do it alone. And, and they needed other people and, and the support of other people. Listen, I thank Aaron, because you and I would not be talking if it wasn't for him. Exactly. And I thank Charlotte Lee and, and Lou Vickery and all my guests, and, and I thank you. And, and plus... LinkedIn, I tell you what, LinkedIn has helped a lot. Agreed. <laughs> People may not agree with that, but then they're like, oh my God. And I said, well, I mean, listen, right now I've been out of work now six months and I get a lot of pushback from these companies. Oh, well, we see a lot of activity. And I said, what I do in my personal life is none of your business. That's it should You should be appreciative and see that I'm active. I'm keeping myself active instead of sitting there like waiting. Oh, who's going to call me and offer me? I'm not going to sit around and wait. But I said to one person, I said, I was at a company for four and a half years. No one knew it was going to shut down. It was around 120 years. You know, no one thought that, you know. But, oh, I see a lot of activity and movement. I said, well, I don't control when companies open and close. So if you see a lot of activity, that's why. Um, and I think it's important to ask questions. And that's what I love about podcasts, man. Ask questions. Grow, learn, thrive. And that's it, that's man. It, <laughs> 100%. So I thank you, man. My friend, on that note, I have to shut down because I have your friend Sharla on the way. I know. <laughs> yeah, so. Tell her I said hi. And, and, and if you get a chance, read her book, Catnip for the Soul. And there's some great stuff in there. If you're not even a cat fan... I'm telling you, this stuff is, is is on point, man. She she's wise. She's she's she has that golden wisdom, as I would say, and, it, and it's worth it. She's definitely gonna um, enlighten you. And actually, we're working on something together. We just got to figure out how we're gonna do it. Is um, a cooking show where I'm cooking something and she's cooking something. Her southern style meets northern style. That's it. All right, well, uh, let's see if she touches on that when I speak to her. And uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, man, it's been great to see you for the first time. We talked a whole bunch online. Yeah. So it's great to me see you. Um, Definitely going to have you on. I got to reverse it. Let's do it, man. I'm here. All right, folks, that was Jay from Podstars. And thank you, Jay, for having me on your show. This is Kevin the Beast B. Cloth signing out. All right, sir. Hoorah. Thank you. Bye. Have a good day, sir. You too.